This fall, Walk with the King podcast is walking through a new three-part series focusing on three distinct parts of the Bible, Deuteronomy, Psalm 107, and Ephesians chapter 1. It's a fresh transition to a very special series we're planning for the month of November. Until then, stay tuned, and thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, dear radio friend. How in the world are you? You doing all right today? Well, I know some of you go through rough times, and uh, the only thing to do when you strike a rough day is to look up and say, Lord, see me through this. And he will. The key word is through. When thou passest through the waters, they shall not overflow thee. So whether it's a work or health or sorrow or disappointment or whatever it may be that may be your particular problem today, look up and let the Lord see you through it. Amen? Well, dear friends, we're in Ephesians, and uh, we're looking now at verse 5. He's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, Paul says in verse 4. Before God ever started to create the universe which we now know, he had you in mind. A mind-boggling thought, but it's there. God is a big enough God to plan for you before he ever threw the stars out in space. And he planned that we should be holy, that's to share his nature, without blame, that's to share his redeeming grace, before him in love, that's to share the love relationship. Why? Because he said he's, he's predestinated us to the adoption of children. He said, I want to love you as, as my own child. I, I want you to belong to me. Now remember, all of this occurred before he ever built the universe, which you and I now know. Before God built the universe and the world in which we live, he planned that you and I would be brought to faith in the Lord Jesus and that through that commitment of faith, we would be adopted into the very family of God and we would share love for God. And so Paul says in another place that God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Papa, God. Beautiful thought, isn't it? having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, and to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved One. In him, that's in the Lord Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now let's talk about this for a moment. The fact that you belong to the Lord today is not due to something you did or desired, but it is because God willed it. He wanted you, and he sought you, and he loved you, and he paid for your redemption. And the blessed Holy Spirit of God dealt with you until you were willing to say yes to Christ. According, it says, to the good pleasure of his will. Now, this is a mystery, the relationship between human choice and divine sovereignty. And it is certain that you and I are not going to settle that theological problem today. I shan't attempt to solve it. I'm going to accept it instead. I'm going to say with millions of others, I don't know how it is that God holds me responsible for my choices and at the same time is a sovereign God working out his will. I only know that it is true. D.L. Moody is said to have remarked that when you approach the door of salvation, you find the words on it, whosoever will. And you say, I will. 
and you enter in the door of salvation. But after you're in on the other side, safely in the fold, so to speak, of God's people, you turn around and looked at that same door, and on the other side of the door, you find the words chosen in him from before the foundation of the world. (laughs) Two sides of the same thing. So let's not argue about it. Let's just accept it, that that's the way the, the Lord works. Yes, he gives you the right to exercise your own will. And yes, he, he reserves the right to make his own plans because he's God. And you put those two concepts together and you have a wonderful, awe-inspiring relationship. Because yes, I'm responsible and I can't fool around with the things of God and I, I can't play games with God. We read that very clearly delineated in, for instance, in the sixth chapter of Hebrews. You can't fool around with God, but the sixth chapter of Hebrews ends with the reassuring statement that God will never play games with you either. And we have the hope of God's faithfulness as an anchor of our soul. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So we take these two concepts and we bring them together in a life day by day of complete joy in the Lord. We're trusting him. We're trying to obey him. We're trying to do our best. We're using whatever willpower God has given us to will to do God's will. And at the same time, God is willing to bless us and to guide us and to develop in and through us his perfect will. So it says to the praise of the glory of his grace. Yes, you will get to heaven because you're saved. But the number one reason for saving you is not to get you to heaven, but to prove the grace and the glory of God. You see, the devil's big lie, as as enunciated there in the Garden of Eden, was this, that God isn't gracious, but he's cruel, and uh, uh, God is trying to cheat you out of something that you could enjoy if you disobeyed him. That was the devil's big lie, and he has been telling it ever since, hasn't he? Young people today are enticed into evil with the idea that you can you can have a better, more fulfilling, and a happier life if you'll just break the rules and, and, and go your own way and do your own thing and forget God. That's the devil's lie. And those who have fallen for it, like Adam and Eve did, have ended with, with sorrow and regret. And so what God has in mind, not only to get you to heaven safely, yes, he'll do that in the process, but it says it's to the praise of the glory of his grace. The praise of the glory of his grace. God is proving by saving you and me that he's gracious and that he's good and that he's right. Paul says in Romans 12:1 that we should present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Be not conformed, that means jammed into the world's mold. Don't get jammed into the world's mold. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good, and prove what is acceptable, and prove what is perfect, namely, the will of God. You see, the job you have as a Christian, and the job I have as a Christian, is not just to get safe home to heaven nor indeed not just to enjoy the Christian life while we're here. But our commitment is to prove to all around us, including Satan and the angels and the demons and anybody else who watches us, that God is right, that the will of God is good, and that it's acceptable, that is easy to take, and that it's perfect, that is, there isn't any better deal anywhere in the universe than the will of God. 
And you, my friend, when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ and yield yourself to him, are proving that in a way that couldn't be proved in any other way, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Paul says in another place that in the ages to come, he wants to show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You, my friend, are going to be God's exhibit A yonder in the glory. And God's going to point to you and say, look there, that's what my grace did. He's going to point to me and say, look at that, that's what my grace did. To the praise of the glory of his grace, through his exceeding kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that something? Oh, when you stop to think about that, it puts a different cast on living, doesn't it, beloved? We tend to think of our daily life in terms of the things we have to do and the things we want either to possess or to achieve, and how we feel about all of that. That represents the package of, of life for any given day, isn't it true? You mothers and homemakers wake up and you think, oh boy, I've got to do the wash and then I've got to do the ironing of some of those things that need to be ironed while they're still damp. And then I've got to plan for supper and I've got to shop because we're out of milk and bread and coffee and so on. And I've got to do this and that and the other. Then I have to take Junior to the, to the, the Brownie uh, uh, Boy Scout meeting and I have to take Sister to her, her piano lesson and you've got it all lined out in your, in your mind. Well, you're really tired before you ever get up because of thinking about it. Isn't it true? But that, you say, is your life. Well, in a way, it is. But in another way, life does not consist, dear friend, of just the things that we do or the things that we want or the things we achieve or how we feel about all of them. All of these elements are, so to speak, byproducts of something else. God wants you to be an exhibit of his grace, to the praise of the glory of his grace. He wants you to be an exhibit of his grace, to prove that the grace of God is real, to prove that the grace of God is relevant to your situation, and to prove that the grace of God is enough. That is the purpose of living. So when you awake, and if you're a homemaker, you think of the million and one things mothers have to do. Or if you're a business person, you think of all the jobs that are waiting for you when you get to the office or to the shop. Or if you're a salesperson, you think of all the calls you have to make. And all of that type of thing crowds in on your consciousness. Right then, at the beginning of your day, turn to your blessed Lord and say, Oh God, manifest your grace to me. Let the way I live today be to the praise of the glory of your grace. Let people know that God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. Prove today through me that the devil is a liar when he says that you can do better on your own by forsaking God. Prove through me today that God's will is good. Uh, that means right, absolutely right, and acceptable. That means easy to take and perfect. That means there isn't any better deal in the universe. Prove that through me, Lord, you pray. I'll tell you something. If you'll take that kind of a viewpoint in life as you begin your day, the entire day will have a different cast to it. 
and even the disappointments and trials and irritations and frustrations that come to all of us in the course of any given day will have a different meaning to you because you're in the business of proving that the grace of God is real and relevant and enough. The praise of the glory of His grace. That's what Paul said concerning his prayer to get rid of a certain trial. He said that God told him, My grace is sufficient for thee. You try that on for size, will you, today? Dear Father, today, magnify your grace through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.